0: Good morning, Redeemer. If you will, please turn with me and your Bibles to the book of Ecclesiastes. If you uh, just open your Bibles to the middle, uh, you should land in the Psalms, turn to the right uh, to Proverbs, and then the next book is Ecclesiastes. If you get to Song of Solomon or Isaiah, you've gone too far. Uh, we're gonna be uh, uh, going through the entire book. We'll focus on the first three verses and the last two verses, but we're going to be looking at various verses through the 12 chapters. So as always, I want you to uh, go through this sermon with the book open. Uh, This will be an introduction to a series, but I want, before we start, to give you a sense of what the message of the whole book is. Uh, But for that, uh, we need the Lord's help, so let's go to Him in prayer. Oh God, this week has been full of chaos. It's been full of information. It's been full of discouragement and we've been tempted to believe lies and so we pray, God, that you would fall upon the preaching of your word that we might be filled with the knowledge of your will and with all spiritual wisdom. We pray that you would so anoint the preaching of the truth that you would cause all who hear to walk in a manner that is worthy of you, that we would want to live lives that are fully pleasing to you and that we would bear fruit in every good work, and always be, God, we pray that you would use your word to make us increase in the knowledge of you. And We pray this with confidence that you hear us, because we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, amen. I'm going to start in Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 1. The words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities. All is vanity. What does man gain by all the toil at which he toils under the sun? I want to begin this sermon the way that the preacher began his book. Uh, this, This book, Ecclesiastes, sounds like a word we associate with the church, and that's on purpose because the writer of Ecclesiastes is a preacher. He's the king of Jerusalem. And what that means is his audience for this book is the people of Jerusalem. It is the congregation who worships God. And so what that means is this book is a sermon. And so, as I have the people of God listening for the message of this book, let me begin like the preacher, but beware. This is going to sound... Sacrilegious, maybe. It's going to sound controversial at first, but here, here it is. Faith does not fix everything. You could say that the title of the preacher's sermon is Get Real. And they're, for that reason, that's the title of this series on this book, which is a sermon that we could, could understand Solomon just preaching, Get Real. You see, the, the best preachers tell the truth, but you, you also need to understand that the best preachers are honest. That is to say, they, they say what is true and they don't leave out what is hard. And the honesty of the book of Ecclesiastes is going to call you and me through this season to forsake the prosperity gospel that our hearts long for, the, the health, wealth, and happiness dreams that, that come up in each of our hearts. Faith does not fix everything. Now, there is a fix for everything crooked thing in this world, but it is not faith. What I mean to say is, what I think the preacher is saying in this book, is that the people of faith, people of Jerusalem, he says, we won't face the wrath of God, but we will face the worst in this world. So let me give you the whole series and this whole sermon in a sentence, "This world is full of frustrations. So focus on fearing the Lord. I, I, I understand that to be the whole message of the book of Ecclesiastes, that this world we're living in is full of frustrations, so we should focus, on fearing the Lord. People of faith, get real. Three main points will help us start this book and will keep us in our place throughout this book. That's what this first sermon is meant to do, to give you a a hint as to the three main points that will help us all along the way. Point number one is get real about life. You and I need to get real about life and not be dreamy about what life is going to feel like in this world. This world is full of frustration. Just get real about it. If you, This is the series, isn't it, for 2020. Uh, we need to here, how, to understand all the frustrations we've experienced. And Solomon, I'm going to call the author of this book Solomon, I I think it is. He's the king in Jerusalem, the son of David, who's writing this. Solomon explains the world full of frustrations in three ways. Number one, we have a frustrating point of view. Number two, we embark on frustrating quests. And number three, he gives us a frustrating and comprehensive conclusion. So first of all, we need to get real about life by understanding that we have a frustrating point of view. And that is the point of view of under the sun. You heard it already in verse three. What does man gain by all the toil at which he toils under the sun. Look down in chapter 1, verse 9, there is nothing new under the sun. And then verse 14 of chapter 1, I have seen everything that is done under the sun, and all is vanity, all of it is a striving after wind. July 11th, 1991, uh, I, it was summer. And I was uh, there was this total solar eclipse that that fell upon our um, area, and um, and my my mom had to go teach uh, summer school, and so she left her two boys at home, and because of all the news and what what dangers were there for the total solar eclipse. She gave us instructions on what we were to do that day and what we were not to do. We were not to go outside and play soccer like was normal. We were not even to sit in the living room because there were skylights in the living room. And there was this danger she had heard that we would get solar retinopathy if we looked at the sun when there was this total solar eclipse. In other words, if we did that, we would uh, destroy our retina and we would get this eclipse blindness. And so she encouraged us the night before to make our lunches and to uh, keep our heads down whenever we ran from our dark rooms through the living room into the kitchen to get our, our uh, uh, lunches and then run back just so that we wouldn't see anything of the sun that day. Now, the irony is, uh, and my, my mom loves us, so she's just trying to protect us, but there's, uh, our skylights were really clouded, you know, and so we, I don't think we were in any real danger, uh, but she wanted to be super careful, and she seemed to have good science backing her, so we did everything she said. Friends, understand this. Sin has destroyed the retina of our souls. We are blinded in a real way to the spiritual realities of this world. Everyone is born this way. We don't have a sense of what exists over The sun. And so we're all born just totally focused on what is earthly, what is underneath the sun. So, under the sun is this frustrating point of view. It is a perspective. It is the default point of view that the preacher throughout the book is saying belongs to everyone. A default perspective on life, way we think about things. We are inclined to believe only what we can see with our own eyes under the sun and and we have this attitude in this world that if we did not witness it it must not have happened so 28 times throughout this book this phrase will 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 come up that 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 there are frustrations under the sun. But it's it's not just a perspective for the preacher in Ecclesiastes. It is also a, a declaration of judgment. Listen, everything done under the sun, that is, everything that's done without regard for what is over the sun or better who is over the sun everything that we do in this life without regard for god everything we do for uh, in this life that is not done for god that is not done because of god the preacher will say you need to get real all of that is honestly useless get real If you live a life under the sun, your life is lived with this perspective that this is all there is, without regard for God, listen to me, everything you do, no matter how significant it seems to you or anyone else, no matter how good it seems to you or anyone else, everything you do will amount to zero. So Solomon says... You will do nothing new. You will do nothing lasting under the sun. You will gain nothing under the sun. Or if we put it in the words of an apostle, we would say it like this. Whatever does not come from faith in God, whatever is not motivated from a confidence in the reality of God and done because we know and we're convinced he wants us to do it, All of that is sin. Now the people of faith recognize that under the sun is a proud, it's a a foolish posture. And even still, whenever the king of Israel has the congregation of God there for worship, he just says this, 28 times. Because even we, people of faith, who know there is someone over the sun, even we still struggle to think like there's, there's nothing more in this world than what we can see around us. The world is full of frustrations. We have a frustrating point of view, but we also embark on frustrating quest. There is this repetition throughout the book of how we cannot know what we are seeking to know. Look in chapter 3 and, and verse 10. I have seen the business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with, the work he's given us to be busy with. He's made everything beautiful in his time. Also, he's put an eternity into man's heart yet so that he cannot find out He cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. And then chapter 8 and verse 16. Notice how he he says this again. Chapter 8, verse 16 and 17. When I applied my heart to know wisdom, the preacher, the king in Jerusalem, who has so many resources, when he applies his heart to find wisdom, To know wisdom. Then, verse 17, I saw all the work of God that man cannot find out the work that is done under the sun. However much man may toil in seeking, he will not find it out. Even though a wise man claims to know, he cannot find it out. Listen. We were made in the image of God, which means every human is filled with dignity, and also there's a sense in which we understand we've been made with this great purpose, and so we are, it is innate in each one of us to strive for significance, and so much of this book is going to speak about humanity's quest to fill our hearts, to 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 feel full and satisfied and significant. And Solomon says, look, can we just get real? So part of this um, quarantine time at home, I've watched a couple of documentaries, one of them on Michael Jordan, one of them on Lance Armstrong. These are men who achieved everything you can possibly achieve in their respected fields. They they had all the money that anyone in the world could want. They had access to all the women, it says, that they could uh, possibly want. They had all the power that man so often wants. They had all the achievement that so many are striving for. And what is clear in these documentaries is these are men who you don't want to be like. Just really nasty people. And so right now, there are children, in light of what's happened recently and that we're now back in space, there are children throughout our country who are dreaming that maybe I'm going to be that astronaut who first steps onto Mars. There there are children who are being encouraged by parents that maybe they can be the goat of of whatever sport that they're looking for. Well, you just live a little bit of life. You grow up and you grow out of those kinds of dreams. And then what do the grown-ups do? Well, then they're, they're, it may not be trying to step on Mars, but they are trying and striving all that they can to fill their hearts by being the awesomest whatever in their county. Maybe it's not the whole world I can conquer, but maybe my little county. Maybe my street, I can be the best whatever. Get real. Get real. Get real. Real life cannot be found in this life. So God says this about even his own people, that they hew out cisterns for themselves to get water, broken cisterns that cannot hold any water. Understand this is reality. Friends, your cistern is broken what you and I seek to fill and catch and hold our uh, happiness in our in our hearts try to get fulfillment from it's broken and leaking and the waters we're looking to in order to fill our life that water is acid eating away and corroding our hearts The world is full of frustrations. We have a frustrating point of view under the sun. We embark on frustrating quests that we cannot finally know and find. But we also have a frustrating and comprehensive conclusion given from the preacher who uh, had all the resources and time to seek out fullness in this life. And we heard it already in the very beginning, the very first words that the preacher preaches all is vanity. Not only is that word f- repeated five times in the second verse of the book, it it comes up 38 times in the book. It, it on average, is there three times every single chapter, but it also comes up at the end. Look in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 8. It's kind of a conclusion to all of the quests that Solomon has been on. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher, all is vanity. All of it. He says, get real about life. Everything in this world we live in is like breath in a frozen world. It may rise repeatedly. You can see it for a moment before it fades. It cannot be grasped. It cannot be kept. So the town sets out this plan that maybe coronavirus will affect everywhere in the world except us. Vanity. I set out as a preacher to not preach to a camera again. All is vanity. There's this really powerful opening scene in the in the movie Passion of the Christ. It, 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 it's where Jesus is praying to his father in the garden of Gethsemane and Satan is standing there tempting him and, and his words are just really honest in a sense. Listen, he says to Jesus, no one, no one man can carry the burden of all the sins of every soul. And he chooses his words and he uses a few and then he just says, too heavy, too costly. And then he says, no one, ever, no, never. Just this repetition of, of negative, of impossibility. It is an honest perspective on life under The sun. Of course, Satan is speaking it to the one who came from over the sun. But hopelessness is so believable because this world is so broken. And we need to get real about life in that kind of world. Hopelessness seems honest. Because this world. And our hearts have a problem, have so many reasons not to hope. This world is full of frustrations, so we should focus on fearing God. Point number two, get real about God. Here is what the preacher, when he concludes this this book, at the very end, look at the last two verses, chapter 12, 13, and 14. The end of the matter. All has been heard. The whole sermon is done. Here's what you should hear. Fear God and keep His commandments. For this is the whole, not 90%, The entire and complete duty of man is to fear God and keep his commandments. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. So what we're going to see throughout the book at key moments, the preacher is going to turn to the congregation and say, get Real, regard God. And he doesn't take for granted that he's talking to the people of God and therefore they don't need to hear it. They, we need to hear it. Get real, regard the real God. I don't have to tell you that to live in this world is to experience, to become acquainted with, to be provoked. By senselessness. This is a world full of sin, and therefore we should understand that this is a world low on sense. What we'll see throughout the book of Ecclesiastes is this comparison that the preacher is making about the world of Genesis 3 in comparison to the world as God made it in Genesis 1 and 2. In Genesis 3, the first sin comes in, and that is a definition of what sin is. If you remember, Eve made a choice to to live without regard for what God said or what God would do. When she reached out for the fruit that God said, "'Don't eat, and if you eat, you'll die.'" She made a choice in her life that then characterizes and defines the experience of everyone who lives. It, this is what sin is. It is living without regard for God, without consideration of Him, as if He is not real and does not act. Understand this concept when we go through the book of Ecclesiastes and when you go through your life. What is normal was once inconceivable. What is normal was at one time inconceivable. You wouldn't conceive of the possibility four months ago that you would walk into a grocery store and just about everyone is wearing a mask. If someone told you four months ago that when you were walking somewhere, everyone's going to give you a wide berth, you would immediately say, that is extremely rude. If you started to experience that then, it would be inconceivable. And this call, this primary focus that that Solomon says we all should have to fear God, that is the normal responsibility, the complete duty of man and therefore to keep his commandments. That normal responsibility now was inconceivable when God created the world because of this. Fear only comes in with folly, the way face masks only come in with coronavirus. The word fear did not show up until sin came in because of folly, which is living like God does not exist, like there is no God. And to people who, who that is normal for, to live and to have instincts as if God is not real, We have to be commanded to prioritize above all the fear of God. Because this world is not what it was made to be. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, above the sun and below the sun. They were united. But now, it's like our eyes cannot lift that high anymore. For this reason, we're foolish. We impulsively live without consideration of God. And so he says, you must put in the center of the bullseye of your life, fearing the Lord. Why? Well, let me give you this reason. Because he's the one who promised that the world would become crooked if we sinned. And He's the one who kept His promise when sin happened. And so when you see senseless, what you should see that will not come natural to you, when you see senselessness and frustrations in your life and in the world, what you're seeing is a promise Keeping God, a word sustaining God. I will curse the world with crookedness if you sin. And it is absolutely consistent. He is. So, what hope is there? Only this that the same God made a promise. When he cursed. In Genesis 3. I have a Christ. Who can redeem. The son of God. Is the cure. For a crooked world. Because the son of God. Is a cursed Christ. Was a cursed Christ. A Messiah savior. Who came into this world. Who lived completely righteously an over-the-sun kind of perspective, a fearing God and keeping all of His commandments, even back in the Garden of Gethsemane. He said, not my will, but your will be done. And He got up and He crushed our enemies by being cursed and treated like sin on a cross, dying for all of our, the sins of those who would trust in Him. The cure for a crooked world is a cursed Christ who is now the conquered, the conquering Christ who came up out of the grave. What hope is there in this kind of world where everything will be brought into judgment? It is that God Himself took judgment, He's rich in mercy. Because of the great love with which he loved us, he showed mercy to those who experienced this life under the sun. So you who live in a fallen world, where should your focus be? Well, you will be completely frustrated. If your focus is on filling your heart with the stuff of this world, because your life is going to end, And your death will be the chariot that delivers you above that sun to a place you had not lived as if it existed. And you will be ushered into the presence of God, your judge. There is a finality to the end of this chapter, to the end of this book. There is an ultimacy. Did you hear it? There is an honesty. There is this reality where he says, this is the end of the matter. God is going to bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing no one else saw. He will judge. Get real about your life. You are dying and I am dying. And we will face God regardless of how little we considered him in life. Turn from your sins and trust in Christ and you will be saved. The book of Ecclesiastes is in what is called wisdom literature. It is a section in the Old Testament that gives us truth for life. That's what wisdom is. Is It it is understanding how to live well in God's world that is also fallen. And, And whatever book you read in wisdom literature, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Job, the key ingredient to wisdom in every single wisdom book of the Bible is this point, fear God. I'm most helped by a, professor's, a professor of mine's definition of what it means to fear. Here it is. It's to tremble before God because of his judgment against all wickedness. Fear him. Tremble before him because of his judgment against all wickedness and also trust him. That's part of fearing him is trust him without reservation because of the bounty of His goodness to those who turn to Him alone for their life. It is this trembling, I don't want to sin against Him, but it's also a fearing. He's not like anyone else here who lies. He will tell the truth and He will bring about all of His promises. And so throughout a book that is basically saying nothing is meaningful. In other words, nothing in this world is filled with meaning. It cannot fill you. At the end of the book... Of saying nothing is meaningful, he says, and everything matters because God is going to judge. So you and I should focus on fearing the Lord, which means we should... Here it is, listen. What does it mean? What, should, what is the end of all things? Is to keep God's commandments, which you will not do if you don't fear Him. This is what it means, is to live with a concentration that is constant. It is to concentrate constantly on the realist reality in this world. This is wisdom to concentrate constantly, to be always aware of, to live in the presence always of the living and holy person of God. So there's a lot being said this week about needing to stand and be counted on various things that are happening in our culture. People standing up and making sure they're, they're going to make a stand with what they think is right. And that may help you understand. We will all be counted. And all that will matter is if we lived a life fearing God. Third, we are to get real about life. We are to get real about God. And the other main theme that I want you aware of even as we start this series is you should get real about happiness. You should get real about happiness. Now, how can there be happiness in a world like this? And yet, listen to what is another repeated theme Chapter 2 and verse 24, listen, there is nothing better for a person than that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. This also I saw is from the hand of God. I want you to listen to another passage, chapter 8, verse 15, and I want you to hear the same phrasing, chapter 8 and verse 15, I commend joy for man has nothing better under the sun but to eat and drink and be joyful for this will go with him in his toil through the days of his life that God has given him under the sun. Chapter 9, he says it again. Chapter 9, verse 9. Enjoy life, enjoy life with the wife whom you love all the days of your vain life that he has has given you under the sun because that is your portion in life and in your toil at which you toil under the sun. Did you hear it all three places? This is the repetition throughout the book. Take joy in toil. Yes, you have to work. Under the fear of God, you you have to work. And the word for work in a sinful world, world is toil. Work is hard. And God gives joy in it. In the toil. This is an amazing observation. Of the God we should fear in a world that is filled with folly, from a God who owes us only judgment, He gives good in the midst of a cursed and crooked world. This is our God. Everything that is good in this world is gift. Now, all is vanity. All is vanity. So look in chapter 12, verse one. "All is vanity. Even good gifts will end. Chapter 12 verse one remember your creator in the days of your youth before the evil days come. An older age and the years drawn near of which you will say, I have no pleasure. Get real about happiness. Don't assume there can't be any of it here. There is real joy and we should enjoy what we can When we can. Because one day it will be gone. So you cannot guarantee happiness. It is best not to expect happiness in this life. But we can taste it. Faith does not fix everything. We will face the worst in this world. But God will fix everything. What it requires is a new world. What it requires is a new life beyond this earthly life. But He will fix everything. Everything. It's not faith that fixes everything. It's the one we have faith in. And what He has promised to do in the future. And, and even in this life, because God is so gracious, even to those who don't know Him. He's so gracious that He gives even them, and certainly us, glimmers and tastes and down payments. So that we'll hear throughout the book of Ecclesiastes, you should enjoy your marriage There are joys in parenting and and grandparenting, even in this crooked and senseless world where there's so much folly and pain. There are real joys. There's real joy in a job well done. There is real joy in a delicious meal or or just in the simple taste of a cup of coffee. Not black coffee, but you know, some butter and some honey in it. Sweet. Sweet. Tastes of what will come. But the path to joy, it starts with this honest look. Get real about this world. And if you're real about this world, you will stop making happiness your first priority. And get real about a good God who even redeems what is crooked. The world is full of frustrations, so we should focus on fearing the Lord. Let's pray together. Oh God, we thank you for your word. We, we, I, I'm just taking by faith that every work done in the Lord is not done in vain. And so I pray that despite all my insufficiencies, inadequacies, weaknesses, despite all the obstacles of preaching to a camera, this word will not be in vain. Use it to make us wise and to live for Christ. And we ask this in His name. Amen.